I'm Steve Letarte, STP auto expert and former crew chief. I know what it takes to keep engines performing at their best. STP's latest breakthrough additive, STP Ultra 5-in-1 plus Fuel System Cleaner plus Fuel Stabilizer delivers three times the amount of cleaning agents versus premium gasoline and helps keep fuel fresh during storage. For over 60 years, STP has been on the cutting edge developing products to help engines run better, longer. One bottle contains three times by weight the amount of cleaning agents compared to 20 gallons of the leading premium gasoline. Greetings, and thank you for joining us here on the NASCAR on NBC podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan. We are taping here in the NBC Sports Charlotte studios that we normally use for NASCAR America, but today it is the NASCAR on NBC podcast studio on this Friday morning, and we have a guest who I've been waiting to get on here for quite a while, especially in the last couple of months, but really especially in the last few weeks since he became a viral video global star. And uh, he needs no further introduction, so let's get to it. Let me preface this real quick. He's the first writer, aside from Dustin Long, who, no offense to Dustin, you're you're an NBCSports.com guy, you don't really count. This is the first writer that we have had on the NASCAR NBC podcast, and hopefully the first of a a few of these. I'd like to do more with writers. I'd I'd like to do a roundtable maybe in the future, but for now... We have Jeff Gluck from the eponymous jeffgluck.com website. This is so cool. I feel like this is the maybe the first professional podcast I've ever done. There's two microphones here. I mean, you're a professional podcast host. There's a professional <laughs> yeah, for podcast all of producer. 13 months I've been doing this. <laughs> this is pretty awesome. With, no, I come with major credentials. I'm a big fan of the NASCAR and NBC podcast, so I really feel like I don't belong on this esteemed guest list that you have every week um so i feel a little bit out of place but i'm very honored to be on here and i'm like wow this is really cool well you may feel like that jeff until you have one million plus views on a youtube video which you did of course (laughs) in the aftermath of the race at las vegas motor speedway when kyle bush decided to express displeasure with joey logano jeff gluck was johnny on the spot for that incident and in a way that no one else captured, he had the full, uh, from the time Kyle pretty much exited his car all the way to the time he threw a punch, Jeff was there with his iPhone. So we're going to start out, we're going to get to Jeff's website. Obviously, Jeff has ventured out on his own this year, as I alluded to, jeffgluck.com. You should go check it out. It is the website that he has, and uh, we're going to get to that. We're going to talk about how that's working out for him, but I want to start with Las Vegas. And I've worked with Jeff, obviously. We have a history. We, we spent two years at USA Today Sports together. So I know a little bit about Jeff's process, but I want everybody else to kind of understand how he got that video and why he was there. So let's, let's start there, Jeff, with your post-race routine. What do you do after the conclusion of every cup race, say starting with 10 laps to go? Yeah, well, you, you kind of have two options. You're either going to stay inside and try to write as quickly as possible and if that's the case, you're going to rely on TV interviews and you're going to rely on the, the two, maybe three people they bring in the media center. Or you're going to go get your own stuff on pit road. And I feel like that's the better option. Um, NASCAR transcribes the interviews that are in the media center so you know you're not going to miss anything in there. You're not going to get to ask questions of the people that come in there. Um, you'll be back in time for the race winner, of course. But if you want to get any sort of stuff that's your own content or unique uh, or have any chance of that, you've got to go outside. And of course, some people's requirements, they can't do that. You know, if you're on deadline and your, your editor is like right away, look, we need this story as soon as the race is over. We need you to, to post something. You might not be able to leave. But um, in my case, and even at USA Today, we worked out a system where it's like, okay, I'm going to send you something with five laps to go, but I've got to get outside. So if something changes at the end, last lap pass, you guys have got to post something temporarily to allow me to get out there because otherwise we're going to potentially miss something big out there. Mm-hmm. And let's let's talk briefly, as you just said that. I mean, at USA Today, I tried to embrace your style, and I think I've, I've come around to it and, and done it more, especially since moving to NBC Sports. But I'll, I'll confess, like when, when I came into the business – I looked at what the veteran writers were doing, and 
a lot of them didn't even watch the race from the from the media center. And I understand why, because if you're in the press box, you can actually see what's happening in the race. And if you're in the media center, you're you're beholden to what the broadcast networks show you. And of course, in the case of the final twenty races of the season, you're good. But um, <laughs> just that's me making a little joke. Um, you're always going to be reliant on what the broadcast networks show you if you, if you cover a race from a media center, which is okay. But just you just have to sort of be aware or understand or concede that if you're in the press box and you can watch the pits, and I know you go up there sometimes, that's where you maybe get the fullest availability of understanding exactly what's transpiring in the race. But if you do that, you sacrifice the ability to go out into the garage. Yeah, I mean, I would love to watch it um, in the press box because who wouldn't want it? I mean, that's an awesome view. And you're and like you said, you're essentially just watching on TV in these windowless media centers for the most part. I don't know why they built them like that. But yes, <laughs> <laughs> you know we're just sitting there and and you can't see anything. We you do get somewhat of a different option, you know, because we'll we'll have the I don't know what it's called now. It used to be called Sprint Vision, but ISM Vision or whatever it's called now. <laughs> in addition to the the TV feed, but you know for the most part you can't really see anything. So. Yeah, it would it would be better watching the press box, but then you you miss out on on the interviews, and that's really I feel like fans want to see your post race coverage, mm-hmm. and you know during the race it doesn't really matter what you can see because they're seeing the same thing you are in a lot of cases. And that's where I feel like I've I've come around your your way of thinking again. Like if you're in the press box, great view, great ability to to tell the story in your own way based exactly on what you saw, and the ability, as you said, Jeff, to to ask questions in post race where NASCAR brings in winner winning crew chief car owner and then a couple of others usually the runner-up but you do sacrifice that ability to chase maybe the most compelling story which was certainly true in las vegas so let's talk about that and and how you decide where you're going after a a race ends do do you know what 10 laps to go or do you allow yourself some leeway wiggle room when you're out there in the pits as as the race coming to conclusion you kind of say hey if i see something on the screens happening i'm going to go chase that how, how did you and i guess how did you decide at vegas where you were going based off that well vegas was um dumb luck first of all um i have to say <laughs> you say that but i know it's not true it, it kind of is though because so first of all i don't think what fans realize is how little we know of what's going on once we leave the media center right you know i say it's important to leave the media center and go out there but you've got it you can't just go, wait till the race is over and go out you've got to be positioned on pit road so you lose the connection with tv which brings you a lot of information you might be able to hear you know the radio feed or the scanner channels but you're not sure what happened in this case at las vegas i saw kyle spin onto pit road i didn't know what happened who hit him why he spun onto pit road um, so I really, I just saw that Keselowski had lost power and was going to win the race. So I said, well, I'm going to go talk to Keselowski. That's the story of the race. He's not in the top three, which means NASCAR is not going to bring him in the media, in the media center. So our one chance to get him is on pit road. So that's when I was walking down pit road and I just, I'm walking toward Keselowski's car. I wasn't walking toward Joey Logano's car. I wasn't saying, Oh, what's Kyle going to do? Mm-hmm. Cause I didn't even know what happened with Kyle. Mm-hmm. So I, see Kyle sort of I see this sort of yellow blur out of the corner of my eye not not walking super fast but walking faster than I was toward the same direction I was and I turn around I'm like Kyle why is he going this way Mm -hmm. the care center's not this way oh oh is is he going to talk to somebody is he mad at somebody oh he's mad at somebody but I didn't know who yeah I didn't know who he's mad at or why and so I mean, the bottom line is when you see Kyle Busch angrily walking down pit road, you take your phone out. That's just your natural instinct. For <laughs> I you. mean, wouldn't you? See, I would not have done that. See, that's the difference between me and you and maybe Gen X millennial. I, it's good. Obviously, you've got me beat in a way that I'm just I, – I just I, – I, I think of that and I think, would my first reaction be – that's on my list of questions here. Why is it your natural instinct to pull out your phone? Um, I think what – I think it all started um, – a few years ago with the Kozlowski Kenseth fight. Okay. Um, I was going to go back even further. I wondered, I wondered if it started Michael Jordan at Miami in 2014 when he was there for Denny Hamlin and you got like the only video of Jordan greeting Hamlin as he came out of the car. Oh yeah. I kind of forgot about that. (laughs) You know, though it's, it's sort of one of these things where 
sometimes you realize you might be somewhere where TV isn't, and you could write, I could describe what happens, but sometimes you even doubt your own eyes. If some crazy thing happens really quick, and you're like, what What just happened? Like with the, with the Kenseth Kozlowski thing, I was essentially in between the haulers. I think I was following uh, Kenseth. No, I was following Kozlowski. Okay. To try to talk to him, I think maybe, and I was I was well enough behind that I wasn't right in the middle of it. Okay. But all of a sudden, somebody tackles him, and there's all these people yelling, and and I'm getting like jostled around and things like that, and I'm like, well, who's mad at what, what happened? I forgot you were even in that. When you said Kenseth, I I just my mind defaulted to Martinsville. So this was oh. actually before. Um, oh yeah, I guess Miami. this was maybe so. So 13. you were there, yes. No, no it was fourteen. It was oh, Charlotte, oh, right? Okay. Charlotte, where where Kenseth did the run, and right? Yes, his exactly, Oscar. exactly. Charlotte, October fourteen. So you were, so you you captured that as well. Uh, a little of it, yeah. I was kind of in the back, and you couldn't really see what was happening, but I was in a crowd that was being jostled around, right? Uh, I think that's somewhere on my, my YouTube channel, also. I have to go look for but, that. But um, <laughs> it was, uh, I didn't know what happened, and, and then I thought, you know, if I'd got my phone out earlier. Sometimes if you're if you're walking somewhere, then it would help you remember to go even back for your own notes mm-hmm. and and to to describe what happened for your article, right? Because I, it's just like seeing um, you know witnesses for a crime or something, you know when when the police talk to various witnesses and and they try to recall what happened, people can be sure that they saw something and they're but they're not their accounts may vary for different witnesses, mm-hmm. you know. So sometimes you need that video to go back and say, oh, is that what happened? Yeah. Because things – your mind can't always process it. At least mine can. Right. So I, I, right. I feel like my video is a good backup for that. So it's not even really about like thinking about dissemination, dist- distribution. I want people to see this. It's I want to help tell the story through my words in some way. If it happens that – You get something. You get something. Right. You know, it's – you could end up with something lucky. But I wasn't – you know, I'm, I'm not thinking, oh – um, this is going to be a great video because I don't know what's going to happen. You can't sure. really predict it. Like, sure. And in the Kyle case, I didn't even know who he was mad at, where he's going. So I'm just like, well, I'll just follow him and see what's going to happen here. And then even as he's walking toward Logano, I was like, oh, is he mad at Logano? Why? Oh, oh, he's punching Logano. Oh, my gosh. What's happening here? You know? <laughs> so, yeah. All right. Well, we're going to get a little bit to the scene here in a minute. Okay. We're going to pause the podcast here for a moment because I want to tell you about Blue Apron which is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. Its mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone and achieves that by supporting a more sustainable food system and setting the highest standards for ingredients and building a community of home chefs. And that includes myself and really my wife, Jody Valade, who is joining me again here to talk about some Blue Apron. I intended to have Jeff Gluck do this, but I totally forgot, so I did not get a chance to spread the good word of Blue Apron to Jeff Gluck. So instead, Jody, welcome back. Thanks. Jeff Gluck never cooks for us anyway, so it's fine. That's true. That's true. But you always cook for me because I could do it if I had to because Blue Apron is easy, but I just I don't have that kind of inclination that you do. And so tonight... As we're talking about this, we're sitting on our front porch because we just had a terrific Blue Apron meal, which was? It was crispy chickpea and frika salad. Frika is something I've never heard of, which I just Googled, though, and they said that this is going to be the new quinoa. So ah. we're on the cutting edge. Quinoa is terrific. It's, it's protein. <laughs> exactly. It's good for you. So, yeah, this is stuff I would never would have thought to make myself until Blue Apron sent me this recipe, and it was delicious. Blue Apron has established partnerships with over 150 local farms, fisheries, and ranchers across the United States. It has sourced its seafood sustainably under standards developed in partnership with the Monterey Bay Aquarium Seafood Watch. The beef, chicken, and pork come from responsibly raised animals. The produce is sourced from farms that practice regenerative farming. Um, It can be delivered to 99% of the continental U.S. and uh, 99.5% of food deserts. And because Blue Apron ships the exact amount of each ingredient required for a recipe, they are reducing food waste. And you have found that's been true in the, what is it, like year plus we've been doing this? Yeah, probably, I guess about a year. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things is that they always give you the exact proportion or portions of food that you need. So you never have like tons of extra food that you have to figure out what to do with. So it's great. Yeah, that's really cool. And uh, this meal arrived last Thursday Mm -hmm. and we cooked it on a Monday night. And it was delicious. And 
again, although I was not a part of this process because <laughs> I was you out. Ate it. <laughs> yeah, I ate it. Uh, and, and that is how we built these strong family bonds through Blue Apron. But cooking together also builds strong family bonds. And research shows that Blue Apron families cook nearly three times more often. And those who spend a lot of, at restaurants or high-end grocery chains can spend under $10 per person for a delicious meal. That's, that's a pretty good deal. Yeah, seems like a good deal to me. There are also some uh, featured upcoming meals that you should take out. Uh, or I'm sorry, you should check out salmon piccata with orza and broccoli, uh, pork chops and miso butter with bok choy and marinated apple, vegetable chili and baked sweet potatoes with crispy tortilla strips, spicy shrimp coconut curry with cabbage and rice. Which of those do you like best? Uh, <laughs> put me on the spot. Maybe the salmon piccata. Okay, I'd go with that as well. Salmon is, is, uh, is always delicious. Um, not all ingredients are created equal, of course, and fresh, high-quality ingredients make a real difference. So it's important to know where your food comes from, uh, and Blue Apron certainly does that. Um, it's affordable. Again, less than $10 per person per meal. Uh, Blue Apron de- delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. There's a ton of variety. Uh, there's new recipes every week. We just told you about some of them. Uh, what, any others on your radar screen at this uh, point? No. Oh, I, our dog is out here, though, and I'm afraid he's about to bark at people walking by. But <laughs> I think we're okay. Okay. <laughs> he does not eat Blue Apron. Does not. We do not allow him to eat Blue Apron. <laughs> um, it's flexible. Blue Apron allows you to customize your recipes each week based on your preferences. Uh, again, it's easy. Each meal comes with a step-by-step, easy-to-follow recipe card. I know we've had discussions about that. Jody's talked about that on this podcast, about how it's it's really easy to make these meals in 40 minutes or less. You just follow the instructions. And it's uh, guaranteed. It comes with a freshness guarantee that promises every ingredient in your delivery arrives ready to cook or they will make it right. So now the good part. I get to tell you about, about a deal. If you um, check out this week's menu, uh, you get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash car so you should go to blue apron go to blueapron.com slash car check out this week's menu and you get your first three meals free with free shipping that's a good deal right yeah yeah I would as someone who's ordered it. blue apron often that's that's a really good deal yeah. you will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with blue apron so don't wait again it's blueapron.com slash car to get this deal Th- uh, first three meals free with free shipping blue apron it's a better way to cook. I am terrible because I'm not sure I make this about me. I'm really bad with taking photos with my phone. You're, you're really good at it. You're really good at videos and photos, which makes you a 21st century journalist or the first order. Do, do you have training? Um, do you just Have you always had kind of an eye for things? Why are you so good at it? Uh, it's kind of embarrassing a little bit, <laughs> but so my wife, Sarah, we've been together for seven years now or something. Um, every year on her birthday, I make like a music video of our memories for the year. Oh, that's right. You've told me this. Yeah. Yeah. So at first it was just pictures and I just put the pictures to music. And then I thought, well, if it's a video, we need video. So everywhere we go, I'm essentially trying to take little video snippets and like try to remember so okay. over time, I think I've, I think I've developed a habit of trying to be like a cinematographer with my hand, like to keep it nice <laughs> and smooth and do like a yeah. sweeping shot because it looks better for a video. Yeah. And when I'm editing our Sarah's birthday music video at the end of the year, <laughs> I get mad at myself when I have a jerky clip or a clip that's not fully finished or something. I'm right. like, dang it. If I just stayed in that shot a little bit longer or – yeah. Um, you know, it makes a difference when you're editing things. So I think just naturally, I think I might just be used to <laughs> taking it through all those videos that I take on all our trips and things like that. So there's some practice involved here, in other words. There's there some definitely degree. is some, okay. some. yeah. I've, I've okay. gotten better at it for sure. Okay. Um, so let's go back to Vegas. So you, you get the video. You've got Kyle Busch uh, stomping down pit road. Followed by Bill Janitz, who I'm sure was glad to be in <laughs> yeah. every single one of these videos. We love you, Bill. And he rolls up on Joey Logano, takes a swing. The brawl begins. You've got the angles of this that I mean, Fox got there and had some of it, but you, you had it from start to finish and had some angles that were really good. 
Um, when did you realize you have the nuts, that you've got the goods? Do you, as soon as it was over, did you like beeline for the media center? Because I know you sent out a, a tweet to that effect, where a, a yeah. exclamation of sorts. Um, and did you did you deviate from what you normally do? And that normally you would probably be gathering more. Did you go? Did you go right? You went right to the media center. I I did. I there was a huge moment of hesitation. Honestly, really, I think I stood there for about thirty seconds, and I was a little bit shocked. And I thought, okay. You know, we after after that video, we talked to Logano because he stood there and talked. So right. um, I got what he had to say, and then I thought I really should go to the care center and get Kyle. And I had tweeted out, you know, holy blank, I got this video. Right. And I was looking through my mentions, you know, and and I think that by judging by the Twitter mentions, I realized that it wasn't on TV because I didn't realize that it wasn't. Right. Right. And people are like, "What? Oh my gosh, you saw the start of it? What happened? What happened? What happened? Just all these." Wow. And I'm like, oh, pe- do people not realize that he punched them? And and <laughs> so um, right. I thought, wow, if, if this is the only video, I should probably just go post this right away and forget the care center. Even though I'd love to run down there, that's what I would normally do is run to the care center, try to get Kyle coming out of there, get his side of it. Because he obviously didn't talk after he punched him. Mm-hmm. So I went to the media center and I tried to upload it as quickly as possible. You know how the Wi-Fi is there. In, in some of these media centers where you're like, oh, no, this is like the worst. <laughs> it's um, always bad right after the race because everybody's sending large files. Photographers right. generally, there's a lot of bandwidth. Yeah, and I'm trying to like upload a high-quality video file to the internet. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's nice. So it took a little bit longer. Um, but as soon as I got it up there, I still ran to the care center, and then huh. Jim Noble was coming back, and I was like sprinting, and he's like, whoa, whoa, he's already, he, he's already gone. I'm like, oh, Darn, that would have been great to be able to get him on top of that. So I missed him. You know, who knows if I would have if he would have said anything or not. But um, the video seemed to be the more important thing, so I felt like I had to prioritize that. You know, yeah, normally you would take what maybe five or ten more minutes, kind of sauntering around the pits, trying to see who else might be talking. Just yeah, not wandering aimlessly, but some not with high degree of purpose, just sort of seeing right if anybody's talking. Right. I mean, the the really great thing I think that NASCAR has done, it wasn't for us, right. but to <laughs> check lug nuts and things like that and to, and uh, sort of bring more order to post-race is that they're now parking all the cars on pit road in front of everybody. And it used to be that you'd go to the garage, all the cars would be in the garage on their hauler lift gates. It's total chaos. You'd, you'd start at somebody's hauler, stand there, wait for them to pull in. Then you'd maybe run to one more hauler and see if anybody else was around. But for the most part, you know, mm-hmm. they were gone. I mean, mm-hmm. you pretty much pick one person, you might get two people. Now everybody's there, so you pick your first target, you get them, and then there's still people standing around their car a lot of times, or you can see other media gathering around. Right. Some guys are still debriefing with their crew. You know, um, Hamlin's a guy that stays around for a long time usually. Dale Jr. always stays around. So you can, you can pretty much get someone else first, maybe two other people, then go back to Dale Jr. And then, you know, a lot of us, you know, you're in the same situation. You sort of linger and see, and then it sort of starts to wind down. You're like, all right, there's no more drivers here. I guess I'll go back to the media center. You know? Right, right. Um, so you said you, you you mentioned you had a little bit of trouble in terms of, of getting things uploaded with the, the bandwidth and the, the media center. How long uh, – well, let, let's start here. YouTube is what you chose as the medium. Did you consider your site at all? No? Well, I don't have any ads on my site, and I thought that it would be best – for everybody to see it as far as delivering the content to um, my audience and anybody else who was interested if I just put it on YouTube. Because mm-hmm. that's it, if I was going to put it on my site, I would have probably embedded a YouTube link anyway because that's the I think that's the best way to upload a video rather than just embed it in a media player yourself. Sure. right. So, and, and plus YouTube makes it so easy. You can upload things straight from iMovie to YouTube. You can go... Um, even on your iPhone, you can go into a video and say send to YouTube and it'll upload it from there. So there's there's a lot more options and I just felt like all that matters, especially not having any ads on my site, is that I deliver this content. So right. it doesn't matter how, as long as I send it out somehow. Right. How long would you estimate from the time you hit record on your iPhone as Kyle Bush was walking past you to the time you hit upload on YouTube? Um Less than 10 minutes. Jeez. Less than 10 minutes. That's unbelievable. Well, 
it, the only thing that I had to do to the video was I put a jeffgluck.com yes, watermark on it. that was my next question. Yes. And the only reason I did that is because I've had experiences with um, local TV. And you can even see it when, let's say, like some, some disaster happens, like some shooting. And, and you can see this person has a video. And all these people start all these news stations start tweeting at that person. Hi, can I use your video for the local news? Hi, can I use your, right. you know, they're, and then they, they end up putting it on CNN or whatever. And they and it does, does, you know, it just looks like it's their video somehow, or right. they, you know, they might not give credit. And I know how, you know, no offense to anybody that's in local news, but I feel like local news sort of takes writers stuff sometimes for their own. You don't say. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. And I just felt like I, 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 I thought to myself, I'll give it to anybody who asks, right. but just for putting it out publicly, I'm going to put my stamp on it so they can't present it as their own video. So all I had to do is go into iMovie, put a quick label on it, okay. and then send it out. So it really didn't take long to – all I had to do was press send after that. And then – so then the video uploads, and you're sitting there, I would think, decompressing as NASCAR is starting to bring people through the media center for post-race interviews. How long did it take you before you realized that – it was going viral. I mean, because you're, I, I presume you're, you're sitting there and you're realizing it in real time. Like, and, you know, what kind of surreal experience <laughs> was that? Well, I think that um, it was a text from you or Jenna. I think you guys were watching from home and you said something like, uh, oh, you, you have it all on the video or you have it all. And, you know, because like I said, you don't really know what the broadcast has. Mm hmm. So I didn't realize that they didn't have it, but just the reaction of everybody else. And then I thought, well, if this is the only video, this is probably going to take off. Yeah. So I immediately turned to um, Joe Menzer was there representing your rival Fox. And I said, hey, do you know anybody? At, do you think that Fox is going to want this? I'll give it to you guys. Then I think I contacted you and said, does NBC want this? And I told NASCAR, hey, if, if you want the video, I'll give it to you guys. Um, because I, I just figured – it's best for everybody to have this. Um, there's no point in me keeping it to myself. Right. What's there's no, there's like zero point literally in me keeping it to myself. <laughs> so I might as well pass it around so everybody else can use it as well. Yeah. Well, very magnanimous. I think in many ways for you to do that because you did graciously allow us to use it along with Fox, as you mentioned, anyone can take it. You said, um, some suggested actually one of my good friends sent me a text within an hour um, that you should perhaps consider selling it, even though I know there would probably be legal issues with that because uh, there are rights issues, uh, both in terms of like what Fox can do and what NASCAR can do. I don't know all of them as well as I probably should working in TV, but there there are rights that TV broadcast networks and, and the sanctioning body have um, for for shooting and recording things um, on, on track property. So, um, So putting that aside, though, if you could have have done it scot free, uh, why why would you choose not to sell it? Because it sounds like that that was your plan, regardless. Like you, it was just going to be, I'm going to put this out, I'm going to share it with the world, I want to make it available to everybody. I'm not interested in making money off of it, even if I could do it without any entanglements. Well, you know, it's interesting. If I was at USA Today, we probably would have kept it for ourselves, but we still wouldn't have sold it because there would have been ads on our site. We could have put ads on the video. Fox and NASCAR might have fought that because they might have said it's in our broadcast window, mm -hmm. as you pointed out, and you know give that to us or something. But it still wouldn't have been something for sale. And in my role now, I feel like I'm still working for somebody. I'm working for the people that sent me to the race, the Patreon site. So they're the ones who are already paying my salary, essentially. So why am I going to turn around? They they were nice enough to send me to the race, right? Why am I going to turn around and then say, oh, and now I'm going to make more money after these people already gave me the opportunity to get there in the first place? It right. just seems sort of greedy. Right. I don't know. It just right. doesn't seem it doesn't seem like the journalistic thing to do. If, if it's something where you were a, a private citizen and you saw a celebrity doing a drug deal or something like that, and you could say, <laughs> I'm going to sell this to TMZ. <laughs> but if you're a journalist, I don't think that your instinct is to say, how much money can I make off this? It's I'm going to distribute this to the public. Yep. Isn't that our, our job, yeah, essentially? I 100% agree and admire you for, for thinking in that uh, form. Um, 
How many text messages and emails between the video posting on YouTube and your arrival at McCarran International Airport later that night do you think you received? Uh, well, all the text messages were from friends and people like that. You know, maybe 30. I would say all the emails, for the most part, were from outlets yeah. that I had never heard of before. Belgium or wherever, yeah. Denmark. A lot of people, a lot of local news, <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, CBS and uh, ABC, people like that, TMZ, uh, CNN, a lot of, hey, buddy, you know, all of a sudden my best friend. And it was so funny because, like, hey, I'm I'm the local news from Amherst, Massachusetts. Can we use our, can we use your video on tonight's broadcast? And then, you know, I'd, I'd be like, "Yeah, here, here's the video." I'd, I'd send it to him without the watermark. And say, you know, if you wouldn't mind giving credit, um, you know, that'd be fine. But here's the video with no watermark, so it look better for your broadcast. Thanks, I owe you one. And I'm like, when are you going to pay me back? <laughs> <laughs> when, when's the local news from Amherst, Massachusetts, going to get me back for this? The next time you're at UMass, yeah. you're, you're going to be taken care of, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it, it's just so funny. I, I feel like I'm ripping on the local news people, but going back to my high school sports days you, you we'd be covering a high school football game on a friday night yeah and you're doing all the work stat wise right you yeah know, local and the local news or whatever roll up at halftime be like hey buddy how many yards does this guy have or how many how how far was that touchdown that uh so-and-so threw they look at your stats but you don't mind if i see your stats do you uh okay here you go it's 83 yards all right thanks <laughs> and you'd go you know they i just feel like you're always the writers always end yes. up doing the work for the local news. So yeah, that was just more of a, it's, it seemed to have stuck with me. I'm, I'm sure I'm sounding bitter local. news. No, no, no. I know you're coming from, and hopefully like there was some return for you in this case, in terms of exposure value for the site and everything like that. Uh, last thing on Vegas. So craziest story. Oh, well first. So like dozens of emails, was it fair to say dozens of outlets contacted you? Uh, I'd say maybe a couple dozen. Okay. A couple dozen. And what was in terms of like craziest story, like, was it did, was it Denmark that you Denmark <laughs> Thor from Denmark a guy uh like Thor Andrewson or something like that said hi you know uh your great video has made it all the way to Denmark we have much interest in this can we play it on our uh local broadcast local sports broadcast and I'm like yeah sure it been he of all people like doubled back with me a couple times to make sure there was no right rights issues. Like now is NASCAR going to get upset with us for playing this? And I'm like, I think you're, I think you're fine. As far as I know, like I haven't heard any blowback from this. So Denmark, I like that. the I, Danes respect intellectual property they do. and trademarks. <laughs> they really I like do. that. I'm going to, I'm going to consider that my next European vacation. Um, so, well, anyway, the, 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 the good news here is in terms of exposure value for the site, obviously this had to help. Um, you launched it, Jeff, uh, around mid-January, uh, right before the media tour, jeffgluck.com is where people should go to check it out. Um, Jeff provides both free content and subscription content on there. Um, he has a unique perspective. He always has. That's why I think he has built such a great brand for himself through social media and why he has such a loyal following for this site. It's it's a different way to cover NASCAR, and I think it's it's a good way. So let's let's go there next. I mean, how, how's the progress been? I, I would presume that you have exceeded expectations through two months of this. Yeah, it's really. I mean, I I, I really don't even know what to do. It's it's almost like it's getting to the point now where um, it's it's almost too much too fast. I mean, it's a very good problem to have. But so I, I had set up these goals, like, um, hey, if I get to this much money per month on my Patreon site, I'll commit to doing this many races. Well, all of a sudden it's getting kind of uncomfortably toward like a full schedule or something. <laughs> you got more than you bargained for. Buddy. I know. I'm like, wait a minute. Uh, I didn't plan to do this many. You're going to be covering like Goodyear tests pretty soon, even though you can't go <laughs> yeah. inside. I know. Essentially. Yeah. Um, but no, it's, it's really good. And um, I really, people don't seem to believe this when I say this, but um, I really, really thought I was gonna have to take a part-time job this year. Um, uh, I thought it would do, I thought it would do okay. Yeah. Um, I thought, you know, I thought there'd be a decent response. I, I go to tweet ups, you know, for the, like the past, since 2009, I see a lot of people and I know there's a lot of people who would feel like they want to support me, but I didn't think it would be at a level where I could do it full time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I really did look into driving Uber. 
I thought that would be a good solution during the week. Um, you could, you know, make your own schedule and things like that. Um, and I just thought, you know, it, it, it's something that I can maybe build up over time, but it's not something that's necessarily going to take off right away. And it really, I mean, it's just sort of like, I, I, I really feel like I need to be doing more all of a sudden than I originally planned because I'm like, man, if people are this, this invested in it, I can't just be only giving them a little bit. Like, I feel like I, I need to start thinking about bringing on other contributors or something. I, I don't know what I'm going to do yet, but, um, it's just been totally, it's, it's blown me away, honestly. Really. And just to clarify, I, I, all of this or a lot of it, I should say transpired before Vegas. I mean, you, you were set for much of the season before the, the famous video that went around the world. Yeah. Um, Although I would think that helped. <laughs> that, that definitely helped. I was yeah. doing pretty good before that. Um, it's weird how this is probably rewarding bad behavior in some ways. But so the first thing that, you know, obviously there was an, an initial push um, when I first launched it. People were very supportive. And it got up to a decent amount per month. And I'm like, wow, this is going to work. And it kind of tapered off. And then I had this rant at Daytona about the crash <laughs> clock rule. <laughs> And people that like sparked a whole other thing. Oh my God, this is awesome. This guy's telling it like it is. I'm going to, you know, pledge money for this. I'm like, whoa. And that was not by design. That was just, again, like you're no, being authentic. Like this is fired my up about it. Yeah. yeah. Stop like, talking about the five minute clock. Get exactly. a life, basically. Yes. Yes. I was, all, <laughs> I got fired up about it. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to write this. It's my own site. If people get mad at me, whatever. I'm just going to sound off about this. Mm-hmm. And people like the reaction was the opposite of sort of what I thought it was. I mean, basically telling people shut up. Right. <laughs> they're like, we're going to give you money. Yeah, keep telling us that. <laughs> it's like, what? What? Why is this happening? But um, so that made another boost, and it tapered off again. Then the video came and it made another boost. Like this guy's out there getting us video. Yeah, like support this guy. And then now it's sort of tapered off again, where you know I'm only getting like two or three a day right but if i do something good essentially or, or viewed as good um the things spike up and people are like yeah there, there is some value in this i wonder if i have a streak where i'm not doing much people are gonna be like eh, i don't really need to do this anymore i think i might just cancel my pledge you know yeah. is this really worth it yeah i don't know what the long term is going to be so it's all sort of an experiment you know it's i i couldn't have predicted so far so i don't know what to predict in the future either um, is it weird to be the, the, in charge of yourself? Do you, is it is it hard to to set a schedule and to set parameters on how much you're going to work on this thing when it is like your your livelihood and it's been a passion for you? I I know you've wanted to to be in media pretty much all your life, maybe not in this form, but um, how do you, how do you do that? How do you how do you like set your own hours and and be in charge of yourself? Well, I would say it would be weird, but. It's sort of – I feel like this is very similar to when I was at SBNation.com. After I got laid oh, off right, from right. NASCAR scene, SB Nation hired me, and they didn't have any NASCAR content at the time, nor did they know anything about NASCAR. So they basically said, we're going to give you essentially a, an SB Nation franchise, and it's your franchise to do what you want to do with it. So take it whatever direction you want. Mm-hmm. So I feel like this is very similar where I'm trying to be creative and come up with – different things or different features and i i need the routine part of it so if i put out there that the 12 questions interviews are going to come out every wednesday then that helps me stick to it that wednesday right. i'm like Gives oh, structure. i gotta do this today people right. are expecting this today i'm gonna do it today nobody is like so i i there's another interview i'm doing this year called the social spotlight right and yeah. it's coming out on thursdays um this most recent thursday when i did it I got sidetracked by some other stuff. It was late in the day, and um, I had fallen behind, but not one person said, hey, where is that? Doesn't that usually come out on Thursdays? But in my mind, I'm like, I got to get this. People are, sure. you know, it's just that it's a lot of a self-imposed deadline pressure instead of your editor saying, um, hey, where is this? I thought you were going to give me this by three, you yeah. know? Yeah. So you have to you have to keep pushing yourself to do it, but I feel like the more public I am about when things might come out or when there's going to be expectations for something. It's sort of like the Strava running thing, yeah. you know, working yeah. out. There's some peer pressure accountability. You right. know, like people can see your workout, so you want to go a little bit harder. I know people can see my work, and 
if people go to jeffgluck.com, there hasn't been anything posted in the last day, are they going to say, why, why are we giving this guy money? Like, right, what was he right. really doing? And like, like I said, no, not one person has said, how come you haven't done anything today? In fact, people have said, you know, we don't expect things every day. <laughs> But I feel like I'm glad I they want to help you with setting your yeah, schedule. They do. You don't need to work seven days a week. Man. They, people have said like, "Hey, back it down a little bit. Like you're you're doing great, but uh, maybe take some rest." <laughs> They've been the opposite of like we want more. They're like, "Pump the brakes." I feel like you've established a business model that everybody in America needs to follow. Um, make our lives a lot more stress free. And I'm also glad you didn't get overwhelmed by Spencer Gallagher fans, upset by the lack of that social yeah. spotlight. Yeah. Uh, so fans can subscribe at different levels and at certain levels allow them to have weekly meetings with you and essentially be like de facto assignment editors as you described it. Is, is that working as you expected? No, it's not. Um, and it's not, it's not, um, it's not my, it's, it's, I thought that they would, um, want to have a lot more input essentially, or, or want to hear some stuff. But so like I'll tell them I'll send a, an email to my boss mode people and I'll say hey here's what I'm doing here's what's coming up mm -hmm. um, here's some interviews I've had here's you know um, some ideas what do you think about this and for the most part they're just like yeah hey no whatever we're we're here to support you so right. whatever you feel like you want to do we're cool with it like yeah we're, like just we're in your corner we got your back nobody's saying eh, I wouldn't do this. You know, or I don't like that idea, or have you thought of this? For the most part, they're just like, yep, yeah, we like you. Yeah, keep doing what you're doing. This is great. This is great. Um, now, a lot of them, um, at, at first I was sending that group of people more frequent emails, but a lot of them just end up reaching out to me on an individual basis. Mm -hmm. Like they'll text me if they see something, or they might have a question about something that's going on, like, hey, what's the deal with this rule? And I'll just text them back. For the most part, they all have my phone number. So yeah, no, they all they, they all have my phone number for sure. Yeah, um, and they're just nice people. One guy, um, I don't want to totally reveal his identity, but he's a, a geologist in Wyoming. Oh wow! And he was at the Las Vegas race. We had never met. I don't think he'd ever <laughs> come to a tweet up, but he said he was going to be at the race. So we ended up going out to dinner, and I think I asked him more questions about his job than he did about mine because I was like, wait. Yeah. You're a geologist in Wyoming? Like, right. he hikes 15 to 17 miles a day looking for rocks in Wyoming by himself. That's crazy. Um, you know, just stuff like that. And, and it's it's just, I, I love meeting people through this whole adventure. You know, that, that's the most fun part of it. That's neat. So uh, when you started this, you initially had very um, modest, I, I would say, goals in terms of your, your traveling. Um, and I think that when I, when, you first kind of told me this was probably going to happen like end of last year. You said probably Daytona, Atlanta, and then we'll see how it goes. So now <laughs> that you've had a substantial influx of revenue from all these subscribers, how many races do you think you will do? And have you planned them all out? Well, um, I haven't planned them all out, but right now I'm at least committed to 25 because that's what I said I would do at the dollar amount that I'm at. Mm -hmm. So you know, there's no way I could do less than that and look people in the face. But I think I'll probably end up doing more than that because I just feel like there's, you know, there's really very little reason where people are going to understand. Maybe I'm wrong about this. I probably am, actually. But I feel like if if people, if there's enough money and, and my dollar amount is currently public and, you know, so anybody can see what I'm getting per month, which is sort of like, whoa, this is really weird. Weary, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but that's just how Patreon works in general, I think, until you get to a certain dollar amount. Huh. And um, so, you know, I, th I feel like people are like, well, wait, you're getting this much per month. And why are you staying home again? Why are you not at a race? Like, they're just not going to understand. Yeah. You're, you're, you know, you're getting money so you can go to races. So why aren't you going to a race? Um, so I feel like I'm probably going to end up doing at least 30 or something, which is kind of mind blowing because that's way more than I did, uh, at USA today, even last year. Right. Absolutely. That would be a ton of races and you haven't figured out exactly which yet. No. In fact, I'm in the process right now, figuring out where to go for the, um, Memorial day weekend. And so, um, my, my patrons, there's a way in Patreon where you can, 
um, just send them posts. You know, I've sent them behind the scenes stuff about what's going on or how's it going. You can send them polls. So this last week I sent them a poll and I said, would you rather see me at the Indy 500 or the Coke 600 Memorial Day weekend? Pretty much go with your wishes. I'd like to go to Indy, but I'm, you know, conscious of the fact that most people are funding me for NASCAR purposes. So what do you think? Sure. Right now it's, um, 5149 for the Indy 500. So it's very close. Um, and so I'm sort of like, well, great patrons. A lot of help you guys are. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it's weird because, you know, I don't want to, you know, go against people's wishes. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I have to use my own judgment. So mm-hmm. I was hoping there would be like a 70-30 type thing where I'd be like, okay, they're they're pretty much leaning this direction. I should probably do that. But right. this might be leaving, leaving it up to me. I wonder if this is being monitored in Daytona Beach, Charlotte, and Indianapolis. I bet it is. Uh, okay, so as I mentioned, we'll, we'll end here. Um, I, as I mentioned, Jeff had given me some inkling of this happening, uh, not just last year, but I don't want to out you, but actually this, is, this has been on your radar screen for a while. And so I am going to give Jeff the opportunity here because I attempted to talk him out of this probably five times uh, <laughs> over the course of several long conversations. So Here's your opportunity. I don't even, maybe, I don't know. I probably want to ask Tess to use the, the, the bleep button here. Um, here's your opportunity. You can tell me to go to hell, like right now, <laughs> for like trying to talk you out of this for I don't know how many countless times that we had conversations. I said, I don't know, man. I don't know if this is right. Um, no, I, I don't feel you, that you, way. You want to do that? I mean, because I would think there's a sense of vindication here because I am, I am not alone in like people who thought like, I don't know if this is going to work out for you so far, Jeff. No, I, I don't feel that way at all. I mean, um, you know, I, I ask you advice and you give me your honest opinion and um, I take in all sorts of opinions. I remember when when um, I didn't want to go to USA Today when they first approached me and we were having dinner in Pocono. I was still at SB Nation and I'm like, uh, and they had asked me, you know, to a- apply for the job or thinking about applying for it and you wanted me to come work with you. And, and I'm like, why would I go there though? And you're like, um, and you like listed off all these reasons. And I was like, yeah, okay, well, that kind of makes sense. Those are I was kind of biased. I, I kind of needed somebody to help me out when I was there at the time. So. But you made a compelling argument. So, yeah. you know, I, I always respect your advice and take it into consideration. And in fact, um, I listened to you on this. It's just that essentially USA Today, I felt like in the end, didn't really give me a choice because I felt like I was going to have to choose between my wife and my job. So it wasn't really like, Hey, maybe I'll do this. Um, just because, I mean, it was sort of like, well now my, it's, it, my choice is pretty clear. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I need to do something else because I'm going to have to move from Charlotte and now it's just a matter of what can I do? So it was just sort of, I ha- now I have to make something happen. Yeah. But I don't think it was like, um, well, I proved Nate wrong. <laughs> you know, um, I think whatever you know concerns you had, um, you know, were my concerns too. And I don't think there was any guarantee this was going to work at all. I just think it's it's sort of, you know, there, there's a couple things happening in the country right now that I think may have helped this. Mm-hmm. Number one, um, the fact that journalism, people all of a sudden there's an appetite for people to pay for journalism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that absolutely. didn't exist even a month before I that's started my true. site, That's very true, yeah. And maybe that's just the right time. Another thing is, um, and I think NASCAR people, let's say NASCAR people are, are um, Trump voters. The majority of them are Trump voters. I'm not going to say like all of them or, you know, I don't even, even know, three quarters, but a significant portion are Trump voters who feel like the media has not told them the truth. And if... You know, like looking at my rant thing. I'm not saying I'm I'm a truth teller and you can't listen to anybody else. Right, I'm right, not saying right. that at all. But if they perceive that perhaps um, my stuff is cutting through the BS or whatever, or or an independent voice, there's also an appetite for that kind of stuff right now because people feel lied to it at some points for whatever reason. I'm not saying they're right, but they feel lied to by quote the media. Mm-hmm. So perhaps those two things have come together. Right. To make the perfect environment, not me knowing this or any plan, but just coincidentally to be the right time for me to do this. Yeah. Well, regardless of the reasons for it, um, 
I'm glad that it's worked out for you. I'm also glad and thankful that you declined the opportunity to tell me to blank off after trying to talk you out of this so many times um, over the past year or so. And also, uh, I'm also glad we made it to the end of this conversation without bringing up the word hats. <laughs> Maybe the next podcast. All right. Uh, thanks for doing this, Jeff. Really appreciate you being here. Thanks. It was a real honor. I appreciate it. Thanks again to Jeff Gluck for making time for us. Jeff has been a very good friend for several years, and I really did try multiple times to dissuade him from hanging out his own shingle, and I'm very happy that his venture, jeffgluck.com, has gotten off to a great start. Its success has attracted some positive coverage this past week from the Columbia Journalism Review and other publications. So congratulations to Jeff. It's well-deserved. He pours a lot of his heart and soul into his work, and it's his passion that is a major key, I think, to why he has built such a loyal and fervent following. Thanks as well to producer Tess Quinlan for her usual help on this episode, which she manages to squeeze in among a bevy of other NBC Sports Podcasting Network projects that she has, the latest of which is a new podcast called That's a Dive with Kyle Martino. If you're an English Premier League fan, and I've become more of one, especially since working at NBCSN, this is something you'll want to hear. It's Premier League analyst Kyle Martino taking a deep dive into some of the most debated topics bouncing around the soccer community and the sports world. The first episode is making its debut this week, and as usual, it's available on all the standard podcasting apps. And a reminder that Tess also produces the Monday Morning Donuts NASCAR podcast with Parker Kligerman and Carolyn Mano. I listened to that this morning, and as usual, enjoyed their breakdown of Kyle Larson's win at Fontana and the curious strategy calls that that race featured. Parker and Carolyn don't pull punches, and they also are very funny, so you should check out their podcast and subscribe to it. You'll get an entertaining, intelligent, and fun recap of the previous weekend's races delivered to your podcasting app of choice early every Monday morning. And that's available on Audioboom, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, virtually anywhere you can go for a podcast, you can find Monday Morning Donuts. And those are the same places you can find the NASCAR and NBC podcast as well. So if you listen to either of those podcasts, NASCAR and NBC or Monday Morning Donuts on iTunes, and you like them, it really helps us out if you can spread the word by leaving a rating or review on iTunes. So please do that for us. NASCAR and NBC podcast and Monday Morning Donuts, leave a rating and review on iTunes if you like what you hear. And don't forget that NASCAR America is on Monday through Thursdays on NBCSN. That's our nightly show that will keep you informed of everything happening throughout the 2017 NASCAR season. Usually it's on at 5.30 p.m., sometimes starts at 5 or 6. Check your listings or go to NBCSports.com slash NASCAR, where we always have a daily post to tell you what's coming up on the show and what time it starts. And you can also find replays of NASCAR America at www.NBCSports.com slash live, which also has live programming and video clips. If you've got ideas for the NASCAR and NBC podcast, I'm always listening on Twitter. Send them to me on Twitter, at Nate Ryan is my handle. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the NASCAR NBC podcast. I'm Steve Letarte, STP auto expert and former crew chief. I know what it takes to keep engines performing at their best. STP's latest breakthrough additive, STP Ultra 5-in-1 plus Fuel System Cleaner plus Fuel Stabilizer delivers three times the amount of cleaning agents versus premium gasoline and helps keep fuel fresh during storage. For over 60 years, STP has been on the cutting edge developing products to help engines run better, longer. One bottle contains three times by weight the amount of cleaning agents compared to 20 gallons of the leading premium gasoline. 